Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I feel like I need to say this right out of the gate. This is not a competition, okay? This is not a grief or loss competition. This isn't saying, oh my gosh, you have it so easy. Let me tell you about pain. Let me tell you about grief. And so I feel like we need to say this isn't a competition. I don't mean to compare the grief or loss that I've felt and and try to compare it with yours. Because it comes in all shapes and sizes. and, And for some, it has come much deeper. If it makes you feel better, I might even say when it comes to grief and loss, I lose. I I lose in many ways, saying I have probably not felt as deep a loss as as you have. And the reason why I say that, I was trying to think over the last week, just to give context about grief and loss and some of the, the painful things I've had to do. Probably the time I cried the most was when I dropped my daughter off at college that was, that was, yeah, it was there, and we, I knew it was going to stink, and she's in Minnesota. And so we agreed, we agreed, we're going to bring it in and do a double tap and just say later. That we, we talked about this for a month because she knows what a mess I can be. And then what happened is we did that. I walked out and I forgot to give her something. And I walked back in and she's crying. Dad, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how this is going to work. And then I started crying. Then mom came in. She started crying. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was grief and loss. And I know as you hear this, some of you are saying, I get it, pastor, that that's painful, but I lost a child in death. And, and to understand what I, I went through, you can't, at least you get to call her. You get to talk to her. You get to see her on spring break. Yeah. But she's getting married next June. And, I, and those of you who say you're not losing a daughter, you're getting a, a son, that's a bunch of BS. I'm losing a daughter. <laughs> Anyways. Seriously, yeah, I get it. I understand that that's different, and some of you have a depth of pain that I cannot even begin to understand. And so, let's let's take a look at this, and and in preparation for this, I talked to individuals who have gone through an incredible amount of grief. I I talked to individuals who run grief uh, counseling and, and work with people for years and years, and this is what they told me to tell you to start out. And that's the first fill-in. Grief is deep sorrow caused by loss. And, and this, is, this is important because you, when you have that grief, you have a loss. And, and you need to understand that when a loved one dies and you bury them, you're not just burying them. You are bearing the hopes and the dreams of the future. You, you are bearing your security. You are bearing a friend. You are bearing all of these different things that in the moment, I don't know even the people who are doing it if they completely understand that. Or maybe they do. And that is why the pain runs so deep. 
and, and the morning takes so long as they think about everything that they've lost. And so, the next villain, it is not something I get over. You know what? Just get over it. How about this? Build a bridge and get over it. That there isn't that. And so, let's, see, let's look at the picture. That some people think that grief is like this. And that is, I get it, it's a big wall, but you know what you do? You, you, you need to run towards it, you need to have other people around you, you need to have them pushing you up, and then you get over it. And what the, the grief counselor told me is, this is a lie. This is a myth. Grief is nowhere near this easy. But rather, the next fill-in is, it is something I must go through. It is something I must go through. So, thinking of the bridge and getting over it, I have another picture of what grief is like. This is what grief is like. And the difference is, everyone going over the bridge, none of them were dirty. But when you have the depth of pain and grief... That, that understand this guy's in the middle of the obstacle course and the dirt will never come off of him on the course. That he is going to have that, she is going to have that. And what he told me is grief sticks to you. Grief is like that mud and so as you're going through it, you crawl through it and especially in the, the beginning parts of it, you go through it and it is muddy and you're going through and you get stuck and you are working so hard. You are just working every muscle in your body just to inch forward a little bit and in the midst of that, then it's, it's coming all over top of you and, it's, and it's, it just gets in your mouth and in your eyes and in your ears and every place. There's no place that it doesn't hit in your life. But what he also told me to tell you is this. It is not like this all the time. At the start, especially, this is what it is like. And, and there are going to be some people who, who can come and encourage you, and some who might even in, be there near you, but you're in your own little pit that you have to crawl out of. But listen to this again. It is not like this for the rest of your life. It's not like this for the rest of the obstacle course. But as you slowly make your way through that pit, sometimes taking the time to to stop and catch your breath and, and move forward, once you get out of that deepest, deepest part of the pit, and you're going through the rest of the obstacle course, just like you have that dirt, you're like, oh my gosh, what's it in my ear? What's in my, oh, you blow your nose and you're like, it's there, it's everywhere. And what happens is as you have that loss and that grief, it shows up everywhere. That you see things that remind you of it and immediately you're back in the pit. Immediately you have that dirt. Immediately you go back to a flashback of when you were there and all the pain that existed is now back with you. And if this is something that makes sense to you, if this is something you've gone through and understand grief in this way, this is normal. Do you hear me? This is normal. 
This is what happens. And, and the deal is, is no matter what happens in the midst of that pit, even if someone comes and sprays you off, tries to spray you off with the hose, you're still going to be in it. And you're still going to get more dirt on you. And, and the key is, move forward an inch at a time. Understand this is now part of life. And that dirt and that, that grief sticking to you is part of your future. It's the way it is. But, and, not but, and, and in the midst of it, there's also hope. In the midst of it, there's also a future. And so now I ask you to go to another individual who is dealing with death. His name is Jesus, and a friend of his died. And where we're going to go is, is John chapter 11, verse 20, or, uh, beginning with verse 17. And this is what it says. On his arrival to a funeral, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So now Jesus is showing up to a very, very, very close friend's funeral four days into it, four days after he had died. Now Bethany, which is the city, was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary. So it's Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus is the one who has died. Jesus, with these friends, Mary and Martha, probably some of the closest friends that he had uh, in his life. Lazarus dead, Mary and Martha are there. And many Jews came to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, get ready for the dagger. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Right for the heart. Right for the heart with Jesus. And, and is what Martha is saying, is it true? And, and I think in her mind it was. If you would have been here, Jesus, you healed so many people that if you would have been here, you could have stopped this from happening. And I'm sure Jesus in his mind is thinking, I could have stopped it from happening from wherever I was, but that's a whole other story I'm not getting into right now, Martha. I'll simply say, I love you. <laughs> come, come by me and talk to me. So as we go through this, I, I think a, no, a number of things. He's, so four days, Lazarus has been dead. And so Bethany, a large number of people came down from Jerusalem down to Bethany. And here are three things that I'm going to give you, three pieces of advice on how to comfort people. Three pieces, right here. Number one, show up. If you want to comfort someone, and, and I don't know why this is, but it is, but if someone has a funeral of a loved one, and there are a bunch of people there for the, the, the funeral, it's comforting to them. That, that you look at, that you say, man, it was, what a turnout. So many people, so many people whose lives this person touched. Just having all these people here is, is really encouraging to us and it's comforting to us knowing that they are not forgotten, uh, knowing that they were loved, knowing that this person was a big part of their lives too. So number one is show up. Number two is go close to them. 
And, we, and what I mean by that is it's one thing to show up and, and be there as part of the thing, but it's another thing to walk up close to that person and put your arm around them and, and to be next to them physically because a lot of times what happens, and, and this is why little children and therapy dogs are great, because when they see people crying, they walk to them. They're like, oh my goodness, what's, you know, immediately. Um, and the dogs and the kids are the same way. I'm cute. <laughs> I, can, I can handle this. Hug me. But when we see that, we're like, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't want to have to deal with this right now. I don't, because, and the reason why is, I feel like I have to stop it. I feel like I have to get them to stop crying. I want them, when I want to comfort them, that means everything, I'm going to leave and everything is going to be okay. It's going to be fixed, especially guys. I'm just saying that guys tend to be more fixers. What do I have to do to make this crying stop and this to be over? Show up, go close to them. And the third one's the, the hard one. Talk to them. And don't say stupid stuff. That's the hard part. Don't say the platitudes. Don't say things that mean nothing that, that end the, the conversation. But you can say things like, I loved him, I love her, and I love you. Sometimes that's it. There are no magic words. And I'm going to tell you that even as I say that, with, and Jesus is going to get there and he's going to talk about the resurrection. And he's going to talk about life after death. And that is true. And the fact that Jesus has gone to the cross, that, 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 that he died and he rose again, it brings hope into individuals' lives, but it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it stop. The pain is still there. The person is still dead. The, the, the loss is still something that is dripping off of me and the grief is all around me in every part of my body. And it doesn't make that stop. It just doesn't. That might sound sacrilegious, so stay with me. We'll get to it. Came to comfort them. The comforting, as I said again, show up. Be close to them, say something, preferably not stupid. Now, that's the comforting part, but then the next part is we, we have to deal with is, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we can do the fill-in with this one. Our big complaint when it comes to loss is usually about God's timing. Is there anyone here, because I want to meet you after the service, if you think you are never going to die, I would love to talk to you, and I would love to know your secret. The truth of the matter is, is that there is going to be a day, the day, that I die, that you die. And that's, that's just reality. And so the question with the death of a loved one is usually about timing. That I, didn't ex I expected this to happen, but not now that the calendar of someone's death, no one's death is on your calendar, except maybe if they're in hospice, when we realize, you know what, the end is probably going to be sooner than later. But even then, that doesn't, that doesn't let us know exactly when, and for that reason, death always takes us by surprise. Even when someone is sick, even when they're, as old, when they're old, it takes us by surprise because of the timing. So, Imagine this. 
Imagine if Jesus were to walk on stage right now. I'd like everyone to welcome Jesus Christ. And so he walks out on stage, not here. Uh, but, but he comes next to me and he says, Dan, you know I love Crosswalk and I love every person in this room. And so what I'm going to do right now for everyone here is this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go to heaven immediately. That if you walk through here, we're going to move the drum set. You go through that curtain only, only today and only right now. You walk through that curtain and you'll be in heaven. I'd be the first one through because I'm closest. And you'd be like, oh my goodness, go to heaven. And then I, I'd, I'd take one step and then I'd say, would someone please tell Tanya, if anyone stays back, will you tell her I went to heaven and I'll see her later? And if you could tell my daughter, Caitlin, because she is getting married next June, someone else, is, she's going to have to find someone else to walk her down the aisle. And for second service today, those of you who heard the message, would you please give the summary to this? Jesus, I can't go. I got to stay. The rest of you can go too. And then all of us starts taking the step. And then we have these reasons why. That we're like, oh, we can't, oh, shoot, now's not a good time. And then Jesus says this, how about this? How about, instead of you doing that and having all your relatives and family mad at you, how about if I decide? How about, with knowing everything about the whole universe, that I make the decision about the timing when it would be best for you to die? And then a part of us says, you know what, Jesus, I, I, I think that's a good idea. And he's like, I can handle Tanya, don't worry about that. When it's time, I'll deal with her. It's about timing. And I think it's important that as we look at the grief and loss, that that at least be part of the conversation about why it hurts so much. Because most of the time, it's because it was too soon. That I wasn't done with what I wanted with that person yet. Same, it's true with Martha, for sure. The next words. But I know, and this is the words of Martha, if you would have been here, he would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And with those words, I don't, I'm not sure if those are words, we're not told what was going through Martha's mind, we're just told what came out of her mouth. And that is what she's saying, I know he's dead and I know it's been four days, but I also know you're Jesus. And that opens up a whole new level of opportunity here. I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And I'm telling you that this is usually the pastoral role in a, in a death. That, that when, when I come and I have conversations with individuals who have lost people that they, they love and care about, that there's usually a part of it where you have to, to run into them processing this death, processing the timing of it, processing their future. 
And, and maybe even a question about why God did this now, why God did this to me, what, what's this all about, and I don't have those answers. And then there is this reality that we believe in a God, the God, who has the power of life and death. And so even at a, at a time after a person has died, there's still hope. But then at the same time, there's a certain resignation to that death of saying, I believe God now is telling me I need to come to an acceptance of this and that now the next time I see them will be in the future. Understanding there is going to be a resurrection where God brings us back together, body and soul. And it's true. In the blank you can write, in times of loss, pain and hope will often coexist. I apologize to anyone that I've done this to, whether it's people listening or people that are here today. I have learned a lot about grief and loss just in the last week. And what I thought is that when I came in with that ammo, they're going to rise again at the resurrection. Everyone be like, cool, I guess I'm okay. Thank you, thank you. I guess I didn't think about that. And now that I have, I'm good. We are good here. No more tears, no more sadness. I'm coming with the gospel hose, getting all the dirt off, and now it's over. And that's simply not the case. What is happening, though, is this, is that I have this deep pain, and I have this hope and this confidence in the future, and it's not one or the other, and it's not like they cancel each other out. I feel them both immensely. And so what is happening in my heart is an explosion of emotions that is stretching me so hard that I'm going so deep and so high at the same time that it's killing me, that I'm all over the chart with the emotions that I have. I'm all over the place. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm thankful for the past. I'm sad about the future. And all of this is swirling around inside of me. And the part that drives me most crazy is I feel like I have no control over which one is coming next and what's going to be the thing that sets me off into laughing or crying. So thank you for the, for the reminder of the resurrection of the dead. Because at the end of the day, that is the only hope I have. And at the same time, I'm kind of stuck in a pit over here. And, and I'm trying to work my way out. Understand, these are going to coexist inside of you. We continue. And these are the real words of comfort that Jesus gives. Jesus said, you're looking forward to the resurrection? I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And this is where this could stop. And this would be the win. That what has happened in the process of doing this is is what God wants most. And that is Martha had an opportunity to say, even in the midst of her death, even in the midst of her pain, that Lord, what has happened, Satan would use this to destroy my hope in you with these questions about you not being here and Lazarus dying in the first place. But instead what has happened in the midst of this, I, I understand even more now that you are the Christ. This has strengthened my faith. Something that has happened that could rip it apart has actually brought me closer in an understanding to you. 
and I'm full of mud. This is the reality of of where we live and, and the reality of the promises of Christ in a painful world. And so what we need to do is understand Jesus' words when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And this is talking about physical death. You can do the next fill-in. Physical death is separation of body and soul. Just so we, we, it's important for you to, to hear this and to say this. What happens when you die? You don't stop existing. They don't stop existing. And I get it, that, you, that the people you know, you kind of know their body most. That you see them, that's what we see, that's what we touch. When we give them a hug, hug that's what we wrap our arms about, around. But when it comes really down to it, who we truly are with our body and soul, your soul in reality is who you are. And with that, inside that person, that does not stop existing. That does not go in the ground. The body does. The body might be cremated, but the soul, the body and the soul separate, and the soul goes to be with the Lord. That's what's going on. And I think it's important because, again, we go through this process where, where we look at what happens, and it, and it just seems like the end. And Jesus is saying, this is not the end. They live even though their soul and their body separate. But then he goes on to say, but whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So spiritual death is the second death he's talking about. Spiritual death is separation of the soul from God. The separation of the soul from God. And here's the deal. Spiritual life starts the moment you believe in Jesus as your savior. And so we, we are enjoying this spiritual life today. And, and you will enjoy this spiritual life, this connection with God through Jesus Christ, even as you go through physical death. Physical death no longer stops that, no longer separates that. And so these loved ones, as they, they, they hold on to Jesus Christ and believe in him as we do, that there's also that comfort, that, that, that separation from God need not take place. And this is especially for us as we look at this truth, that this is the encouragement and Jesus' encouragement, especially to Martha and to those of us who are still alive. Embrace him. Embrace this this promise and this hope for life and death that Christ gives. The next words. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, And saw him, she fell at his knees and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) Not surprising. Martha went through this, Mary went through this, and, and later, everyone else went through it and said, why wasn't he here? If they're friends, he should have been here. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked, Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. I don't always get it. I don't always understand it, just so you know. And and the part I don't understand about this is why Jesus is crying. I don't get it. And the reason why, spoiler alert, we're not going to read through this. You can at home. In, in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. 
So this ends with a happy ending. Jesus brings the happy ending. Lazarus comes back from the dead, and, and all of this is now not an issue anymore. But Jesus goes to Lazarus' graveside and cries. He's feeling grief. That in the midst of this, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the one who is going to beat death, now stood there at the death of a loved one and cried. And we don't know. We're not told what was going through his mind either. Maybe it was his own death. Jesus, we know that Jesus' death was going to become, be coming soon. And as he stood there and, and he was facing, looking into the jaws of death, seeing the pain and the hurt and the misery and the grief and the loss that came from death, that he knew that this was the, the, the enemy that he was going to be fighting in a very short period of time. And as he got close to it, and, and as he got physically closer to Jerusalem where this would take place, as he got closer in time, as it drew closer and closer, and as he stood with death on the other side of the, the tomb, the other side of the stone, he knew that this confrontation was going to be coming very quickly. And sometimes I think what we do to Jesus is, is the very thing we don't want done to us in our grief. And that is, well, he knew he was going to rise from the dead, so what's the big deal? He, he knew that, so all he needed to do is go to the cross. All he needed to do is die for the sin. Three days later, everything is good. What's the problem? And when we do that, when we minimize Christ's death, when we minimize the payment that, that has been made, we miss the point. And so perhaps today, can you repurpose your pain? Just for a moment, I'm not asking you to not feel it, but I am asking you to go in that place in your heart that you have labeled pain that you don't want to go into, into that little vial of, of dirt and mud of grief that you hold on to and go back to every once in a while, in, in some ways maybe as a testament to the person you've lost, where you go back and you don't want to miss them and, and you want to feel that, that pain and that loss so deeply so that you assure them that they're not forgotten. Can you go back there for me? And, and, and go back in there and, and in that grief and in that misery in that deepest, darkest place to understand this is what Christ's life was all about. When you want to know why Jesus wept, it's for the same reasons that you do. Because it's hurtful and it's painful and it was not meant to be part of life, but sin came into the world, and that's what necessitated it. And then sin came in my life, and it's not only what brought up, it's going to bring about my death one day, but it brought about Christ as well. And Jesus wept. And that is a place where he camped out, and then he broke camp, and he went to the cross to pay for the sins of all people. In the blank, you can write... Jesus' tears Jesus' tears show his grief even in the midst of hope. We have a high priest who is, in the book of Hebrews it talks about this, who understands our weakness. He's human like us, like us in every way except without sin. That pain and that hurt and, and that the impending death and the reality of death, Jesus knows. And he also knows the way through it. He also knows the way through it. He paved the way through it for us with his death and resurrection on the cross.
And where does that leave us? As I said, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but I have news for you. Lazarus is dead now. That he raised him from the dead. And a part of me wonders if Lazarus was like, really, dude? Come on. I went on the other side of the curtain and you brought me back. Let me stay here. It was good. But we're not told that either. We're simply told that he brought him back from the dead. But now, he did. He had to face the grave again one more time like we all do. And so the final words are from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Very important as you look at these words that they say, brothers and sisters, there's going to be time when you suffer loss and you are going to grieve. And it is going to hurt. And it is going to stick with you. But notice, it doesn't say that you won't grieve. It simply says, in the midst of grief, you have hope. And many of you right now are going through that, where you have these two realities inside of your heart. Both the grief because of a loss and the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and just so you know, they don't cancel each other out. They just don't. They live there together inside your heart in a place of faith. And so we don't like grief. We go through the grief and we have hope in the midst of it. Again, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and we believe he's going to do the same for us. And what I've listed at the last one, it's not even as a fill-in, is just to show the, the five stages of grief Denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I purposefully did not put them in order, and I purposefully did not number them. And the reason why is is most of the time, if not all of the time, you will ping pong ball between these. That, that you will continue to go back and forth. That this isn't something where you're like, oh, I finally got to acceptance, now I'm good. That does not happen. And so, and even at times when you least expect it, when you have loss in your life and grief as a result, understand there has been something that's been lost. And in the midst of it, there are things that you have in Jesus Christ that will never be taken away. I hesitate to show the next pictures. And the reason why is because if you're in a pit right now, you don't want to see them. But, but it's important that we do. Take a look at the next couple of them. This is the first one. And that is people in, in dirty, dark places helping other people in dirty, dark places to get out of the worst part of it. And, and so as you look at this, this is part of the repurposing it, it in the midst of that dirt of saying, how can I help? Having gone through this, having gone through the misery of this, You are uniquely qualified in a way better than me because I haven't to help others around you. And and so as you go through it and you say, I'm through the worst of it, there's also a responsibility to help those who are still in it to pull them forward. But then the final one is this. I understand the finish line might be a ways away. I get it. And so don't let this dishearten you. That was my fear. But rather what you see is individuals who are all muddy, 
that even in the midst of that mud, that, that as you move forward, there's reason to smile. And, and as you look at those that gather around you who have gotten dirty in, in this, this place called life, that there is, there is a place of, of hope and a place of, of smiling even in the midst of it and community. If you're in that pit, it doesn't last forever. It, just, it doesn't. You might feel like it does. And it might feel like you're getting nowhere. And as you continue to move forward, understand that it continues to be dirty. And that is why we go again back again and again to the promises of Christ. Being reminded that we are loved. Being reminded that there is a hope and a future for you. It is my prayer that this has been some help. Maybe just to move you an inch along. Maybe just to realize that you are not alone in the midst of it. But understand that, that our hope and the promises do come from the one who is the resurrection and the life. He loves you. He is there for you in the midst of this and holds you close. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you came into this world that you know firsthand uh, the, the pain of grief and loss and death. And so, Lord, when we listen to your words, they are words that have uh, very deep meaning to us as one who, who knows what he's talking about. I want to pray for, for uh, individuals here who, who have suffered loss and who are going through maybe uh, anniversaries of the loss or, or holidays, which are the first ones since someone's been gone. It's, it hurts and it's hard. And, and let them know that they are loved by us and by you, Lord. Help them to continue being moved forward and, and to be comforted by your words and promises. And now, Lord, as we go forward, help us to understand that as we face this, this death, this, our own, this separation of body and soul, or that we do not have to have ever a separation from you, Lord. Help that to sustain us every day of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. You know, as we're talking about grief and loss today, I just want to take a moment, uh, say a prayer for our brothers and sisters in Texas as we look at more grief and loss, senseless uh, violence that happens in our communities. And let's uh, pray together. Dear Lord God, we need you desperately. And there are times in our, our lives when we see that even more clearly. And especially, Lord, at times when in our communities where individuals are uh, just killing others just senselessly, it, it makes no sense to us. And it definitely brings a sense of fear to, to all of us. And so, Lord, we, we simply bring this to you and, and, and say, Lord, this is, we don't know how to fix this. Uh, and, and so we know it starts with you. And, and Lord, we ask that you would bring some healing to the people in Texas. And today they are in the middle of the pit. 
Uh, they definitely are with, with so many people killed and so many people hurt. Uh, be with them in the midst of it. Help us to stand beside them. Uh, let them know that they're not alone. And, and finally, Lord, as in your own time and in your own way, Lord, please bring a healing uh, to our country as well as we begin to figure this out. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.